egg on our face. Egg on our face. And we rather, I mean, we rather come on our face, but <laughs> this time it's egg. I'm in my um, asexual face, so no common no era, no come on my face. Just egg, pure egg. Just pure egg. <laughs> pure egg on face. Pure egg on face. Um, you may have noticed that a little episode never dropped last week. Oopsie. Sorry. Mistakes. Ow. It was lost to the wind. We recorded it. We it recorded so, it. So good. It was so funny. It's always the episodes that I'm They're like, damn, really, that was yeah. really fucking good. I know. That something technical difficulties happens with. Um, we're just like learning a lot of separate lessons the hard way. Yeah. Like it's not even like the same things keep happening that make us lose episodes. We're just losing for different reasons, different episodes. It happens. Um, luckily, I mean, honestly, pretty good track record. We're on like, what, like 65 now or something? Yeah. And we've lost like two or three. Yeah. It's not that bad. No. Um, it sucks because I've loved them all like they're my children. Same. And they're gone now. Do you guys and like I weep. my Emma Stone voice? <laughs> What? Do you guys like my Emma Stone voice? Yeah, I got to lose my voice soon um, to for old time's sake. No, I don't sound hot when I lose my voice. I just sound like I've been crying a lot. Um, I mean, I don't know. That, which, that could sound hot to some people. I have been. Um, <laughs> I have been crying a lot. Over um, the episode that we lost. Over the episode that we lost. <laughs> That's and all. here's the thing under under most circumstances if we lost that episode we would have moved hell and high water to re-record within the week that it was lost um yeah. but nika um had to be a international woman of mystery and she was in mexico <laughs> i was in mexico so and she even offered she was like let's try re-recording when i'm in the airport during my layover yeah. and i was like girl no just go on your vacation my god <laughs> um although i will say that if had i been the one i also would have yeah, been like exactly. no let's re- let's record in the airport so i completely understood yeah, i would have recorded it in like a room in the house i don't care I know, but you were like, you no, know, know, you only had like three days in Mexico. I was I not going to ask you to re-record this episode. And I missed um, my flight and got a fourth. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we uh, I, I hope we've shown that our track record is that we would have re-recorded and released the episode sooner. But um, we just simply that was not in the cards this time. So you're getting two episodes in one week. Isn't that fun? Isn't that so much fun? Isn't that so fun? Now you have double the Nika and Anya to carry you through whatever it is you people do. Mistakes, keepsakes, and hot takes. So due to the fact that we have lost the audio of our um, mistakes, keepsakes, hot takes of last week, um, maybe we could give them like a greatest hits. Yeah. Of anything that like we want to because, you know, now there's just a full week that there's no um, there's no documentation of you had a real whirlwind of passport stuff. Yes, I got my passport the day of my flight. Um, sorry, that is my coworker texting me because I am famously picking up a shift tonight. <laughs> um 
telling him that I'm going to be in late. Um, I lo- I got my passport the day of my flight and had a whole whirlwind of trying to get there. I had to go to Stamford, Connecticut. Um, and I woke up at like 6 a.m. to get to Stamford, Connecticut. Got my application approved at 11 a.m., but didn't get the passport put in my hands until 3.30 p.m. So I had to leave from Stamford at like 4 p.m. to go straight to New York to get to my apartment, to pick up my bag, to get in a car to get to the airport. So it was like boom, 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 boom. Um, literally every flight that I've had this week, I almost missed. I like got there right as the doors were closing for every like (laughs) connection and then actually did miss a flight. Um, it was an insane, I'm usually a great traveler and this, I was like, I'm rusty. I've been traveled since 2017 internationally. I am not as prepared as I once was. And international travel is a whole new monster these days because of testing and stuff. That's why, yeah, that's why I missed my flight. Um, yeah, which was a real bummer. But then I just got to go like sob in this gorgeous house in the mountains of Puerto Vallarta <laughs> um, in a pool. Focus, Nika, last week. Sorry. <laughs> You're fast forwarding. If people want to hear about that, they can listen to the next episode. They can. Um, we're, we're traveling back in time to before Mexico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Mexico well, that was, was nearly. You brought it up. It's your fault. You brought up the passport, so then it well, but that's made because me we talked about, about it a lot last week. I know, week. but then it made me think about the trip. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, deflection! It's uh, no one's fault. Nothing's wrong. It's a year. No fault. one's in trouble. <laughs> it's a year <laughs> fault. Uh, look at my scratched little toe. Okay, I will. I will take the blame if that's what you need. Oh, didn't I talk about like? <laughs> this is what I think. I'm like maybe this was lost because we're being silenced by Big Pup. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. We, we talked a bunch of shit about the pups. <laughs> we talked a bunch of shit about pups last week. I still feel the same way. I hate them, except for the four friends that I have that are pups. They're great. <laughs> um, um, and if you don't know what pups are, um, run. Save yourself. Yeah, save yourself and run. Um, well, I think also last week, didn't I talk last week about how I'd had like a really nice like boundary setting conversation? <laughs> <laughs> with a bestie and was Uh like and was like I finally yeah well that's funny um (laughs) Nika set some boundaries and then she lifted them right back up right back (laughs) (laughs) got to another country honestly maybe this episode was lost for the best you know (laughs) the episode's like you didn't mean that girl oh my god no literally got there and the first thing I did was like no so we can still do like this this and this though (laughs) we're in Mexico course we can make out so um, you made out with them yeah obviously i just got an eye roll and a nod for <laughs> for the listener um, yeah in last week's lo- lost episode nika was so proud <laughs> of having set boundaries with a friend that she's not gonna crush on or make out with anymore um and you know what sometimes sometimes we set boundaries just to learn that they weren't right for us <laughs> <laughs> that's okay <laughs> there's nothing to be done about that you know your spirit guides were like you sure look at <laughs> those look at those supple supple lips <laughs> you're in mexico girl you're really gonna set boundaries before going to mexico I mean, come on uh, boundaries are for after mexico after mexico and i will reset those boundaries will you i mean i have to yeah. I have to. 
It's honestly so jarring having a podcast and knowing that everyone we're friends with listens to it. Um, but yeah, I have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can edit that out. If no, it's... it's fine. Whatever. That's the that's the charm and allure of being my friend. <laughs> the charm and allure of being in our lives is that we will talk about you like Taylor Swift writes about people in her songs. Okay. Yes. Um, Sorry. Not. Yeah. I also set some boundaries last week um, and talked about it on the podcast. Mine are still there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, I have to. I can't have a crush on a friend who doesn't have a crush on me. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's not going to work. No. You got to have your own back. Yeah. Ooh. Speaking of which, my hot take last week, we can't leave this out. No. My hot take was that um, you should treat your inner child like you are the adult guardian of yes. it. Yes. And like when your inner child is hurting and making decisions that hurt inner children make, when your inner child is seeking love and validation from people that hurt inner children seek love and validation from, you as the responsible party, current contemporary you must intervene yeah. and look out for her. Yeah. Um, and boundary setting and cutting off like crushes that are not good for you are good examples of that. Yeah. My hot take last week I just remembered was that it's a red flag if you don't have any women friends. And that continues to be true. That continues to be true. Yeah. Yeah. Um Oh, and what was my keepsake? Well, we started talking about my keepsake. What was my mistake of last week? I wonder if I can remember that. Um Oh, it was how I had reacted to that friend. Um, doing something that I felt was like weird at like a sleepover that we had with like other oh yeah friends yeah yeah that I like subtweeted him yeah um which was like immature and like uh something that I try not to do but I revert back to very easily. Well, your inner child wrote that tweet. Yeah, my inner child did write that tweet. But guess what? I haven't subtweeted anything about how I'm feeling this week, so that's good. <sighs> growth. Yeah. Growth. Growth. Uh. Yeah, my keepsake last week, well, my mistake and my keepsake were similar where it was like regarding just one person, the way that yours both were yeah. as well. Um, my, uh, yeah, my mistake was that I got like triggered by, I had a conflict of sorts with um, uh, an ex-fling and I got kind of triggered by their response to something um, and almost let myself um, just like fall into like a petty wars kind of situation where it's yeah. like, who can out petty the other person? Like, oh, you're going to do that? Well, I'm going to do this. And then my keepsake was that I instead um, had a very direct um, like, hey, here's how if if we are being honest with each other that we do still want to be friends, here's how friends treat each other. So here's how I expect to be treated and how I hope to treat you. Yeah. And let's do that from now on. And none of this bullshit. Yep. Um, and that has held strong. We've been good pals ever since. So um proud of myself for that. Um, but yeah, that's I think, you know. Everyone's all caught up on, for the most part, what we talked about on yeah. R.I.P. the last episode. Yes. Um, but to kind of like fill the the void of what would be our general like what happened this week banter, um, we actually had a listener 
ask us a question um, on our Patreon that I think would be like interesting to other listeners as well. Yeah, I do too. Um, so we're going to answer it on a main episode rather than a Patreon episode because we're feeling generous. <laughs> we're feeling generous because we actually owe you. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're feeling indebted is more like it. Um, so let me just pull up the message. Um, this is a longtime lovely listener of the podcast, um, who always has really thoughtful um, questions and comments on a lot of our episodes. So it's a joy, (laughs) no pun intended, (laughs) um, to answer their question. So this comes from our listener, Joy. Um, Hi, Joy. Hi, Joy. So um, she said, one of the things I like hearing about is your nightlife experiences. It's not something I am sure I'll experience myself, but it is amazing and very interesting to hear about it. I imagine I'm not the only listener who hasn't like been to a rave or party that goes into the early morning and continues into an afters. My question is, what does a typical night look like from a practical standpoint for you? Like, how do you prepare how does eating, staying hydrated, sleeping, and possibly continuing after sleeping work? Um, what does recovery afterwards look like, i.e. when you leave the party or afters and go home? Um, and yeah, she goes on to kind of continue to basically ask that same question. I'm curious about what it takes to like party and dance and stay out for that long without crashing. Um So, yeah, I mean, this is something that we're still mastering. I think um, part of it is mental illness. Yeah. Yeah. Part of it is just already being the kind of person who um, has, like, lived a life of um, going long periods of time without sleeping without there being a reason. Like, when when you... struggle with hypomania or mania um, or even hyperfixation um, or anxiety. There's like a bunch of different things that like can lead to not sleeping as much as everyone else does or having a very different sleep schedule as what one is supposed to have. So I feel like a lot of people who are drawn to nightlife and to raves are people that already are inclined to stay up all night Yeah, and are already people who... Um, will sometimes go like 24 or 48 hours without sleeping for like other reasons. So they already like know yeah. what that feels like. It's almost for a lot of us, I think it's nice to have almost an excuse. It's like, well, I'm at the rave. But for yeah. me, like I'll stay up till like 5, 6 a.m. sometimes with no fucking good reason to be up that late. Yeah. Like same. Um, So I think that's we you and I at least are have that jumping off point yes. of like we already have pretty sporadic sleep schedules yes. due to mental illness, love. Mental illness. <laughs> but, but I mean, I think like, you know, resting beforehand, if I like know that I'm going to have a weekend, like, mm-hmm. or I'm going to, uh, I don't know, multiple parties, I'll like make sure to get my sleep in, eating before the party, leaving the party to go eat. There's always like a food truck or something outside of good rooms. So you can go find food, bring snacks, bring snacks. I, I love, I'm that girl at the rave that has clementines in my clutch. Yes. Pedialyte. Yes. Pedialyte before, during and after bringing food to the pre-key 
or yes. not the pre-k i'm sorry the afters yes our well, friends always have some kind of snack or or like electrolyte beverage yeah um sometimes like substantial snacks at the afters that keeps you going it's also um important to roll with a crew that is um like I think that something that I really value about the friends that we indulge in this um, hobby with Mm -hmm. is that it's like a group of people that are all really um, thinking about sustainability and about like not running ourselves into the ground. So um, often people are going on water runs. So while everyone is like dancing all of a sudden someone will tap you on the shoulder and it'll be your friend that has like water for you. And so then you try to remember to be that friend next time you go to the bathroom. You're like, oh, I'm going to go back with water for everyone. Yes. Like staying hydrated is a like it takes a village. It takes a village to keep everyone hydrated at a rave. It does. Um, And if there's like if you're at a bar that doesn't have like or a rave situation that doesn't have like free water, um, it's very like if if it's still safe tap water, like if it's a place that has safe tap water, um, the thing that a lot of people do and that our friends always remember to do is getting bottled, like buying a bottle of water at the beginning of the night, but then just refilling that bottle in the bathroom. Yeah. Um, that's and if you're if you can afford to and don't mind to, you can just keep buying new bottles, I guess. But I sometimes think that that transaction of needing to like order it from the bartender and spend money on it keeps people from getting as much water as they actually need. Yeah. Like it's like an extra step that they don't want to take. So um, something that you can do is just buy that bottle of water once and then refill it yourself. Yep. Um, and yeah, just every time, never say no to water. Yeah, every time, never say no to water. Every time a friend, a trusted person, obviously say no to water by like a random guy that could be drugging you. Yeah. But like anytime a trusted person is offering you water, say yes to it. Even if you don't feel thirsty, say yes. You're There's no world where you don't need that water. Yeah. <laughs> You're dancing and maybe even on um, various substances for like 12 hours sometimes. Yeah. Like... Take the water. <laughs> um, yeah, if you're not if you're not currently hungry, but some of your friends are expressing that they're hungry, that probably means that your body is also hungry and you're just not feeling it. Yes. So, like, just take a bite of something at least. Like, try to eat um, when it's when it makes sense to. Yeah. Usually at the very beginning of the night and at the like between the rave and the afters is when those opportunities happen. But there are some like, you know, all like all night, all day raves like nowadays has these like 24 hour parties and they will start. There's a part of the um, around 8 a.m. There's a part of the the rave where they start just like giving out free bagels. Um, And they're not the only place that does this. But this is just for example, if there's like free food being offered to you, even if you're not hungry, I think it's a pretty good rule to just take it. And eat as much of it as you can. And you will find that you actually are hungry. Yeah. Um, Just like little things like that are just like, like, I'd love to see everyone try one bite. Yeah. <laughs> um, And if your friend is doing that to you, it's a good idea. You're like, yeah, you know what? I actually probably should take a bite. I'm never the person that needs to be reminded to eat. I'm the one reminding mm. everyone else to eat. I'm yeah. always hungry. Um, But yeah, to answer your question, like, that's just like basic needs being met. To answer your question of like longevity, Obviously, caffeine and stimulants 
are a huge help to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and stimulants doesn't necessarily mean cocaine. Like I don't do coke, but I do LSD and like even microdosing acid, like a quarter tab at like um, 11 p.m. will carry you through to 11 a.m. No yeah. problem in a lot of cases. Um, and if you're going to be doing that, if you're going to be engaging in substances, which, by the way, not everyone at these raves is doing that. You don't have to. I think both of us have been to these without doing drugs. Yeah. Um, like, but if you're going to indulge, um, look up, have like a good list of both food and supplements that you can take before and after that will help your brain recover from whatever it is that drug does. Yeah. Like 5-HP, is that what it's called? 5-HTP. 5-HTP is a great supplement to take kind of in conjunction with almost anything that you want to put in your body, but especially MDMA. It's really good for like, and you want to take it both before and after doing MDMA. A lot of people only just do after that will help with the recovery for sure, but the recovery will be like way easier if you also took some before. Um, there's like a lot of different resources um, online. You can literally just Google like what supplements are good to take to help pre- prepare for an acid trip or recover from an acid trip yeah. or whatever whatever drug it is you're going to do. Also, obviously, I mean, maybe this isn't obvious, um, only do drugs that you know where they came from and that have been fentanyl tested. Yes. Um, it can be tempting, but you really shouldn't be sniffing anything that's put under your nose by somebody that you straight up don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the after party thing, it sounds like it would be challenging to be like dancing until 4 or 5 a.m., sometimes 6 a.m. at a club and then like going to an after party. Like I know that that sounds like you're going to be like, oh, I'm exhausted. I got to go home. But there is like this whole second wind that kicks in when you've been dancing that for that long and when you've been like in those settings. Yeah that I find it very hard to go home. Yeah, like, I'm same. not ready to go to sleep at all. That's the no. whole reason after parties even exist. Yeah. It's not just because people are high. It's because they have a body high that is from all the physical movement that they've been doing yeah. that you need to, like, wind down from. And so an after party can be a really good place to either keep dancing and, like, kind of truly, like, ride that for as long as you can um, but most after parties are a place to wind down together yeah. and like just kind of like eat some food, listen to some music, talk shit about like things that happened at the party. Um, and it's like, you know, between like 11 a.m. and like 2 p.m. ish is when people start. To, it starts to hit them and they're yeah. ready to go to sleep, which sounds crazy if you don't live in this world. But I swear it doesn't take a lot of effort to stay out that long no, once you're doesn't. in it. Yeah. Just make sure you look hot. Yeah. The hotter you look, the less you want to go home because you're like, yeah. but look at this fucking look. Exactly. <laughs> that part. Um, but the afters is where the true bonding happens. It That's is. where I like have made some of my like deepest, most sincerest connections and friendships. It's like once we've let it all out on the dance floor together and we like cuddle puddle together on the floor somewhere in someone's beautiful Greenpoint apartment. Um, that's like where a lot of friendships blossom, I think. I agree. It is. It's like the um, that after church when everyone like 
gets yeah. pastries and yes. coffee or whatever. What is that called? It's literally, I think it's literally just called coffee hour. Yeah, coffee hour yeah. after church. That's what the after party is. It is. That's what the afters is. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there is the pre-key. <laughs> really, we just want a, any excuse to hang out with our friends for literally 12 to 14 hours straight. Yeah. Speaking of church, last week, the fuck up of the week that we talked about was um, a priest in Arizona in Arizona who incorrectly that used the wrong words for like thousands of baptisms from like 1995 to I think even earlier than that. I'm pulling it up. Um, and so now all of those baptisms that he's ever performed are void. <laughs> so everyone that he baptized if they don't get rebaptized or if they've already died are going to hell unfortunately which is a pretty big whoopsie see you there see you there see you at the afters that's what i'm mm. calling hell oh yeah you're right it is 1995 i thought it was earlier than that sorry it's okay but anyway yeah his name andres arango and uh all of his baptized uh, uh, all of his baptisms um, that he did in both English and Spanish, he used the phrase, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son, or we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he should have said, I baptize, not we baptize. So now all of those baptisms don't count. Um, Obviously, there were some larger world issues we could have talked about as the fuck up of the week. But we're all getting inundated with that info. We want to keep it light. And we're, we rather just talk about how a bunch of Catholics are going to hell. Yeah. Because that's what is important to us. Yes. Listener mistakes. From a listener. One night many years ago, I was trying to treat a case of serious post-breakup depression by doing a bunch of cocaine alone in my apartment. Mistake number one. As can happen, sometimes on stimulants, I fell into a porn and masturbation rabbit hole feedback loop that went on through the weekend. Still feeling very lonely, though, I decided that it would be a good use of the few hundred dollars I had left over post-cocaine purchase to hire a sex worker to come over and be an audience to my current spectacle. Now, I had never actually hired a sex worker before, and I was way too high to realize that my whole situation including the fact that I was getting to be that it was getting to be 5 a.m. on a Monday morning was just a massive bundle of red flags that anyone sensible would have avoided. Mistake number two. I went on Backpage and opened up basically the first ad I saw that said they were currently available. I called up the number and invited them over to my apartment. Mistake number three. I continue to do coke and watch porn until I get a knock on the door. I open it and, besties, I got robbed. Cash, phone, laptop, gone. Oof. They did leave the coke, though. Damn. I mean, yeah, big mistake, huge, but also <laughs> big mistake, huge, enormous, enormous. R.I.P. Backpage. R.I.P. Backpage. Um, yeah, I mean, it's good for both sex worker and client alike to um keep safety in mind. But right back in because I want to know how the robbery went down. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that you left that out. I I would love a beat by beat of the robbery, and un- un- unless that's like too traumatic for I you, I don't care. Relive the trauma and tell us. I want to know. I just want to know. Was it an armed robbery? Had I mean, it have must been. have been. Yeah. But did they come inside or did they rob? You know, like 
obviously they came inside, but like how long were they yeah, inside like, or did they keep what, up? Did, did they keep up appearances for a minute? Did yeah. They think, like, did they make you think that everything was about to go down and then like you went to the bathroom and you came out and your laptop and cash and phone were gone? Or yeah. like, you know, like give us the story. Give us a story. Um, so sorry that happened to you. Yeah. Um, thank you for trying to support sex workers. <laughs> Not all sex workers. Um, You're right, though, that it is good to keep in mind your own red flags you're giving off because that will, um, in turn, reveal other people's red flags. And a sensible person probably would have not taken that job. Yeah. So um, it's a good lesson, I guess. It just sucks. (laughs) And I'm sorry. Sorry that happened to you, bestie. Um, I'll take us on a deep dive. Deep dive. Deep dive. So, on our previous released episode, not the episode that <laughs> um has deceased, but on the last released episode, I talked about a mistake I made of kind of um not communicating properly with two different people um, because I didn't want to let either of them down and in turn just like made the whole situation worse. So um, in that story, I talked about leaving my dog with my roommate and not properly communicating with my roommate about the like whole situation and um, what I would need them to do and for how long I'd be gone and all that because I was like too anxious to like deal with that um which was very shitty of me um the other side of this story is where I was going and why I needed to leave my dog with my roommate and so um that the mistake of this story is that I went on the trip at all in in a way there were parts of the trip that I really enjoyed, but um, I just like obviously didn't prepare properly for it and I never really wanted to go on it. And it all kind of came to a head um, with a shitty situation that um, I didn't make any better. So my friend invited me on this trip to go to Michigan with him where he and all of his family members went to college for their college's home football game because every year that's like their tradition as a family and as all being alumni of this school um they go to this college's like home game and have like a make a weekend of it um And so he invited me because we were best friends and it was really important to him that like I see this like part of his life and that I be there and um, I have no business being at a football game, period. That should have been (laughs) that should have been the first like indication for me that I should not be going on this trip. And I think it was. (laughs) I think I knew that deep down, but I've never been to a football game. I've never watched a football game all the way through. Um, I don't know the rules of football, (laughs) like won't start now. You know, I don't have any business being there, but I agree to go, um, on the day of the game, his family and him and I are all, um, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and the streets are just filled to the gills with like college football 
frat bro types and their girlfriends. Not a queer person in sight. Um, not a person with a septum ring in sight. Like not even a fashionable straight person mm-hmm. in sight. It was just pure um, fight or flight for me. Like this is not the type of people that I feel safe around. Um, and everyone's like drinking out of red solo cups. And I'm like, also like just nothing about it was like, ah, take me back to the good old days. You know, it was all like, I've specifically set up my life to not ever be in a situation like this, but here I am willfully drinking tequila out of a solo cup in the middle of the street of Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, with my friend and his very straight family. And lo and behold, a police officer walks up to us and myself being a hooligan and his family being um, just white collar people that would never be caught dead with something like this on their record. We all know to just throw our solo cups and pretend we were never holding them. My friend that I was with... Not so much. He continues to hold the solo cup with the tequila in it as this officer comes up to us and asks us what we're doing, what we're drinking, like if that's alcohol. And um, the rest of us have, we're like, no, what are you talking about? We are, we weren't holding anything. Um, and you can't prove that the cups that we just threw on the ground had anything in them because they're empty now. Um, but he is in the dilemma of having a full-blown open container like under the cop's nose, you know? Like there's nothing he can do. He just is going to get a ticket at this point, at least. But because he's also just like kind of one of those like white boys that like has been to one too many protests and like, you know, fuck 12, which God bless that being his perspective. um, He was very adamant about like pushing back against the police officer and like not answering certain questions because he knows his rights and all of that, which once again, I don't think there's anything like, I think that's a good thing to do. And it's when you're like a white person um, dealing with the police, it's like good to kind of exercise the privileges of um, how they treat us to like make their jobs harder. I fully support that. However, once they've already fully caught you doing something illegal, you're you don't have that much room to stand on as far as like not answering their questions or like not giving them your ID and all of this. And so he just made the situation worse and got himself detained. Turns into a whole thing. It's obviously very stressful for everybody. When he's released, Um, He's given a court date and like a citation of some kind. I don't really know all the specifics. It's a very stressful situation. And his very white collar, very white family. And I will, I should say, I should mention very, very wealthy. These folks um, start like really hounding on him on our walk to the stadium because for some reason, we're like that didn't ruin their buzz and we're still all going to the football game um on our walk to the football game they just keep hounding on and on about how like he should have treated that officer with more respect and like this situation wouldn't have been as bad if he just like if he didn't have such a bone to pick with these fine uh public servants and blah 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 and one of the family members who Literally is like 
in business with the Koch brothers at this point, like a very, very rich white man, um, says the words, um, I've never had an issue with the police officers. Like police officers have always been nothing but helpful for me. And at this point, I snap and I've done a pretty good job up until this exact moment with this family of like pushing back when it calls for it, when they say like things that are not, you know, um, things that I would say <laughs> politically, but of also like knowing when to hold my tongue um, because it's not going to like make the situation any better. And in this situation... I snapped at him and was like, um, obviously the police have only ever been good to you because you're a rich white man and they are literally, they exist to protect and like uphold your richness and whiteness. Um, but also like clearly he feels like shit. He was just detained by a police officer. He has like a court date in a state he doesn't live in. Like, your lecture right now isn't doing anything but outing yourself as a fucking bootlicker. I didn't say those exact words, but that's essentially what I said. Um, I don't think being a cunt to him about the police was a mistake. I would do it again. (laughs) Oh, you bet your ass I would do it again. But my mistake was, first of all, being there at all. Like, I just shouldn't have been in that situation. Um, should ne- if there's a football game happening within a one mile radius of me, I've done <laughs> something wrong, but I shouldn't have like waited to challenge this particular family member until it was like an emotional situation because yeah. I feel like I just, I didn't. I didn't change his mind on anything. If anything, I had reinforced his perspective that like the like soft leftists only care, like only know how to like argue emotionally. And like, it was like a switch flipped. Like his whole family was like, okay, well she's crazy and disrespectful. I look back on that moment with wishing that I had just like got his ass but like more calmly and like um, not waiting until or like not doing it in the middle of the commotion, you know, like we had literally just walked away and like my friend is like crying because of what like the stress that he's under. Um, It just wasn't the time to like snap back at this like powerful white guy that doesn't give a fuck what I have to say. I should have yeah. just like been been there for my friend or just not been there at all. Yeah. Well, I don't know how this fully relates, but it does relate in some way. Police emotions. <laughs> Activism. Activism. The left. The left. <laughs> um relates to this week's mistake, um, which is about Sylvia Rivera and Marsha P. Johnson, but mostly Sylvia Rivera um, and the ways in which they were intentionally banned from participating in the first Pride Parade in 1971. Um, And then the ways in which they were left out of the movement while they were still alive by the gay rights movement, while also being actively mythologized in life and then in death. Best mistake. 
So here is some info about Miss Sylvia Rivera. Uh, Sylvia Rivera um, is or was a veteran of the 1969 Stonewall Uprising. Um, she was a tireless advocate for those who were silenced and disregarded by the larger gay rights movement. Um, and throughout her life, she fought against the exclusion of transgender people, especially transgender people of color from the larger gay rights movement. Um, she was born in New York City in 1951 to a father from Puerto Rico and a mother from Venezuela. Uh, assigned, She was assigned male at birth. Um, she did refer to herself as a transvestite. Um, transgender was a term that was coined many years after her death. So that is how I'll be referring to her. She grew up with an absent father and her mother died by suicide when she was three. So she was raised by her grandmother. Began experimenting with uh, wearing girls clothing and wearing makeup at a young age. And because of this, she was uh, pretty severely beaten in her household. Um, And after being attacked in the sixth grade by another student and suspended from school for a week, she ran away from home. Um, where she quickly became a victim of sexual exploitation and survival sex work around the 42nd Street area of Manhattan. Um, Now, in 1963, she met Marsha P. Johnson, and she said it changed her life. Johnson uh, was a black, self-identified drag queen and activist, um, and was also battling exclusion in a movement for gay rights that did nothing to embrace her or her gender expression. Rivera said of Johnson, she was like a mother to me. And the two were actively involved in the Stonewall Inn uprising on June 28th, 1961, which is where patrons of the Stonewall Inn, which is a gay bar in Greenwich Village in Lower Manhattan, rebuffed a police raid and set a new tone for the gay rights movement, rioting for the next two days. Rivera said in an interview in 2001 that while she did not throw the first Molotov cocktail at the police, which has been a long enduring myth that she threw the first Molotov cocktail and um, Marsha B. Johnson threw the first brick. She did throw the second. First, um, oh, so actually, sorry, it wasn't just two nights. It was a week. Um, so for six nights, the 17-year-old Rivera refused to go home or to sleep, saying, I'm not missing a minute of this. It's the revolution. People died. People didn't die. People, People didn't, didn't die. die? Rivera resisted arrest and subsequently led a series of protests against the raid. Um, But this wasn't the first time that she was directly involved in activism. She said in a 1989 interview that before gay rights, before the Stonewall, I was involved in the black liberation movement, the peace movement. I felt I had the time and I knew that I had to do something. My my revolutionary blood was going back then. I was involved with that. Um, The Stonewall Inn uprising was also the turning point in the visibility of the gay rights movement. And the first Pride Parade started in 1970, but Rivera and other transgender people were discriminated against and discouraged from participating. In 1973, Rivera participated in the Gay Pride Parade, but she wasn't allowed to speak, despite the amount of work and advocacy that she had done. She instead made her way to the stage, grabbed the microphone anyway from the organizers, screaming to the spectators and other marchers, If it wasn't for the drag queens, there would be no gay rights liberation movement. We're the frontliners. She was booed off stage. Throughout the 1970s, she frequently tangled with gay rights leaders who were hesitant to include transgender people in their advocacy work. Um, The Gay Activist Alliance, known as the GAA, 
which was formed in response to Stonewall, frequently rejected the role of trans people, the majority of who were people of color, um, rejected the role that they had played in the uprising. Rivera also fought against the exclusion of trans people from the Sexual Orientation Non-Discrimination Act in New York. Um, And she unfortunately was not successful. The final bill passed in 2002 and prevents discrimination on the basis of actual or perceived sexual orientation in employment, housing, public accommodations, education, credit, and the exercise of civil rights. There's no clause in that bill that protects people also on the basis of perceived um, discrimination or on discrimination based off of perceived gender identity. And that was something that was intentionally left out by the gay rights movement. Um, So along with Marsha P. Johnson, Rivera started the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, known as STAR, around 1971. Um, The group became a space to organize and discuss issues facing the trans community in New York. And they also had a building, Star House, that provided lodgings for those who needed it. Rivera explained in 1998 that she and Johnson decided that it was time to help each other and help our other kids. We fed people and clothed people. We kept the building going. We went out and hustled the streets. We paid the rent. And although she was only 19, Rivera became a mother to many of the residents of Star House. While it was short-lived, Star House was an important space for those who needed it. Um, But the troubles that she experienced as a child did end up following her into adulthood. Um, And Rivera experienced homelessness and had problems with substance abuse. At one point, she attempted suicide, and Marsha B. Johnson stepped in and brought her to a city hospital and helped her get healthy again. And after this experience, Rivera left New York City and activism behind for some years. And she returned to the city in 1992 after the death of Johnson. Um, Once back in the city, she got involved again with the fight for the inclusion and recognition of trans individuals. She started Transy House, modeled off Star House in 1997 in Park Slope, Brooklyn. And she also reconciled with the gay rights movement that was now expanding to embrace the LGBTQ plus community. She was given a place of honor in the 25th anniversary Stonewall in March in 94 and said in a 1995 interview with the New York Times um, of participating in this parade that the movement had put me on the shelf, but they took me down and dusted me off. Still, it was beautiful. I walked down 58th Street and the young ones were calling from the sidewalk. Sylvia, Sylvia, thank you. We know what you did. In 2001, she was marching in the New York City Pride Parades and living in Transy House. Um, She did end up dying of liver cancer in St. Vincent's Manhattan Hospital in 2002 at the age of 50. And her partner, Julia Murray, was with her at the time of her death. The Sylvia Rivera Law Project continues her legacy, working to guarantee that all people are free to self-determine their gender identity and expression, regardless of income or race, and without facing harassment, discrimination, or violence. The intersection of Christopher and Hudson Streets in Greenwich Village, two blocks from the Stonewall Inn, was renamed Sylvia Rivera Way. And in 2015, a portrait of Rivera was added to the National Portrait Gallery in Washington, D.C., making her the first transgender activist to be included in the gallery. And in 2021, New York City unveiled a monument to Rivera and Johnson. And according to the city, it was the city's first monument and the world's dedicated to trans individuals. Um, This is from womenshistory.org by Emma Rothberg, who's a pre-doctoral fellow in gender studies. Um, 
And it's just about, obviously, the life and death of Sylvia Rivera. Um, You know, the mistake itself is the way that these two women and people who led the movement were also left out of the movement. Um, But I also think that the real mistake is, again, the mythology, the myth, the mythologization. <laughs> However the fuck you say it. They were mythologized <laughs> by the gay rights movement. She's too pretty to say words right. Okay, uh, everyone. I say mythologization. I don't know. Anyway, they were mythologized <laughs> in life. It is a okay, word. Okay, just three bimbos in a room right now trying to it's, figure out what... <laughs> it's a word. I looked it up. <laughs> it fully is in the dictionary. But um, I just don't know how to say it. Anyway, they were mythologized both in life and death. And, you know, that's been the mistake is that they now are on t-shirts that are made in sweatshops that we pay like $50 for to wear at pride parades that still exclude trans people of color. And like straight TikTokers. Do you remember when that guy was like, I'm actually not the one who came up with this style. I would I would credit my like the person who inspired my style to be Marsha P. Johnson. She oh invented the look, but you know, I'm still rocking it. Oh and he God. literally just has like painted fingernails and like rings on. Oh <laughs> and it's like the implication here is that you think Marth- Mar- Marsha Martha P. P. Martha P. Marcus P. Johnson. Like, clearly, you think as a straight cis man who's wearing like feminine clothing, that's what you think Marsha P. Johnson is. Well, if, and also the you know what I mean? Well, like, it's just, yeah, it's deeply insulting to like, yeah, right. It's insulting and it also is, you know, it's the same way that (laughs) a lot of us as trans people mythologize both of these women. It's like it's been proven over and over again that neither of them threw the first brick at Stonewall. Marsha B. Johnson threw a shot glass at a mirror. That doesn't make them not leaders. Exactly. They're leaders and they're they were iconic people, but they also were like teenagers who were homeless and on the streets and needed help from their community and instead their community was like yes queen slay queen but also like we're not gonna make any legislation that protects you because you're free literally help you as a person but yes queen yeah slay (laughs) and we like do it today we still do it with trans people today it's like and i i know this as like a trans woman that like the spaces that like most of the dolls i know are in it's because we're like digestible trannies you know it's like Marsha B. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera were not necessarily digestible people to the larger gay rights movement Mm. they weren't considered eloquent they weren't considered like cis passing they weren't even interested in that like but they had a message and they fought hard and they like were mothers to their trans daughters and to people who were even older than them and they were elders and they started a fucking star at 19 and 20 and Still ended up dying at 50 and, you know, I, Marsh B. Johnson was even younger, but her death is still unsolved. Sylvia Rivera died in like a city hospital with just her partner by her side. And these are just the visible trans people from that time. Yeah. These are just, these are just two people that we happen to like know something about. And it's easy. But like people tried so hard to sweep them under the rug. Like think about the people they successfully swept under the rug that like, have similar if not worse stories because they weren't even idolized and mythologized and it's fine to look up to these women as trans and queer people but we have to be better at 
actually like looking at the roles that we play like i no longer call myself an activist because like girl i'm not like i'm not i did my like bit for like a millisecond but like and also that's fine because it's not like the role of trans people to immediately step into like a role of activism often that's more harmful to the movement than it does good but it's just like you know it would be very it's very easy as like trans and queer people to put these people on pedestals rather than acknowledging like the really tragic and beautiful but tragic lives that they lived and the ways that we are still allowing the most marginalized in our communities to slip through the cracks Mm -hmm. and like we don't help them and we call you know it's like we're on the dance floor talking about how lovely our lives are but a lot of the time I look around and I'm like well where are like more of the dolls like where are the girls that can't be here they're not here because they can't afford it or they don't feel comfortable or they're struggling with their own mental health and homelessness issues and survival fucking Uh sex work like we're not really doing any we're not not all of us but in general as a movement as a community as as a a queer community we are not doing enough to mend that gap yeah moral of the story idolization is dehumanization even if it's in a flattering way that's the moral of the story what you just said of the mori Storal of the mori is that yeah like even if you're like even if it's dehumanizing in a like technically um flattering or like positive way it's still dehumanizing you're still like removing um someone's humanity and agency when you like put them on a pedestal yes i think i do too um that doesn't mean don't look up to them it doesn't mean don't like honor their legacy and um carry the torches that you can but like also look at the full human being behind the printed graphic t-shirt of Marsha p johnson wearing those like flowers in her hair yeah it's like they were the first like they were the first yesifications <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like it's like what i what i think another moral of the story is is that take from these peep these two peoples and all of the queer people that we have lost to various tragic systemic circumstances that still plague our community take their stories and take their legacies and take their lives and implement them in such a way that like you are looking out and we're all looking out for the people in our community that are still struggling because it hasn't ended and the systemic issues are still there. Yeah. The same, the same attitude that everyone that we were talking about with like bringing everyone water on the dance floor. Yes. Like it takes a village to stay hydrated and it takes a village to like keep everyone in this like marginalized community, like above water. Yes. Um, preferably and it's not enough to just keep someone from drowning like pull them up on the fucking boat yes yeah you know I do um, well great that was lovely thank you for doing that story again of course idolize us slay her yes honey yes if I subscribe to the patreon, patreon. <laughs> support us on anchor support us on anchor um patreon.com slash best, best mistakes pod. pod write in your mistakes at for best... us to read on the podcast at best, best mistakes pod at, at gmail.com gmail. um Test your holes. Test your drugs. Uh, and kiss your friends on the mouth. If it feels right. <laughs> if it feels right. Set boundaries to not do that if that's what feels right. And, you know, 
break them again if that feels and right. And break them if you're in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as a rule as a rule (laughs) love you love you